Dark Shadows Literary Licensed Podcast Episodes. Ben Stokes here, exploring all things Collinsport, Maine, and following the likes of the Collins family, and the friends and foes, with your co-hosts, Tom Diamond, Jesse Fultz, Mickey Ray, and Keith Chalgo, Collins family, story about blood relations, literally. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Diamond from Literary License Podcast, and we hope you're all doing very well. Uh, we This is a very, very special tribute that we have today. And uh, we have two special guest stars that are with us to talk about the life of the late Don Briscoe who on Dark Shadows, as all the fans know, played Chris Jennings, who was the werewolf, Tom Jennings, who was the vampire, the twin brothers, then uh, Tim Shaw in the 1897 segment, and then Chris Collins in Parallel Time. And for us, we have, as I said, two special guest stars. The first is someone you all know and who have and who has contributed contributed a lot to Literary License Podcast during the years, and that's none other than Roger Davis. Roger, get over there. Yeah. How are you I'm today? Right here. Good. How are you today? Oh my God. If I were any, I'm jumping for joy. Yes, I don't want you to jump for joy too much because then our connection might be affected. But uh, no, I'm, I, I really, I'm very happy to be here, and uh, and and I, uh, I know that that Sean is here, and, and I'm going to um, introduce her. I'm going to introduce her right away. Our other guest is Sean Randall. Sean Randall is someone who Roger happened to bump into by accident, and we're going to talk about, uh, and she's going to talk about that. But Sean is someone who knew Don personally and had, and very graciously agreed to be with us, uh, today to talk about her reminiscences of, of Don. Sean, how are you today? I'm just fine. Thank you very much. It's really, really I'm nice. Happy to be- and happy to be participating, happy to be contributing. Uh, how you bumped into Roger and uh, how this uh, how this last minute, how this last minute guest appearance all came about. Sure. Um, well, I don't know if you've all heard about synchronicity, but it exists. It's real. And uh, things that just seem to be accidental aren't always accidental. But uh, a mutual friend of ours, friend of Raja's, friend of mine, Peggy, uh, invited me to her son's um, recital concert. And um, Raja was there. And <laughs> we were going up the stairs, didn't see each other's face. And I'm following him up the staircase. And so we get, um, we get into the, the room where the entertainment is. And he turned around and looked at me, and I looked at him. I was like, oh, God, I know that face. And I said, you, Roger Davis, I remember, I knew you as Don Briscoe's friend years ago. And the, so it was like this moment of recognition and surprise um, because uh, I knew Roger from being Don's friend all those years ago. 
And uh, I remembered him. I hadn't seen him in all those years. So anyway, we started reminiscing about Don, and then I was invited here, so I'm very happy to be participating in it. It's great. So, so Sean was talking about uh, how she had bumped, uh, how she had bumped into you accidentally, Roger, and uh, then you started reminiscing about Don, and uh, it was uh, quite a chance meeting uh, in in terms of that. Uh, so, Sean, I'm going to ask you to uh, talk about. Your how you met Don, and specifically, uh, what were your reminiscences about him? Uh, you know, obviously, good, you know, good, indifferent, or otherwise. And sure. uh, I'll let you take it from there. Okay, so um, <clears throat> I was a dancer at uh, NBC dancing on many, many different shows, Dean Martin show, Jerry Lewis show, etc. And I was walking in the hallway one time, and there was Don. And I'm not sure what he was doing there, but he was walking in the hallway. We looked, just sort of looked at each other. It was a strange moment of recognition where things like, oh, hi, you know, and we started talking. And we started dating. So basically, I know him the most in the context of dating him, uh, I don't recall exactly how long that lasted, but um, we dated for a while while he was doing Dark Shadows, and then after he left Dark Shadows. And then our friendship continued into New York. When I moved to New York, he moved to New York, and I saw him there as well. So um, I have a lot of very nice recollections of him. He's a very sweet, very dear person. And a very bright, intelligent person, loved music, and his favorite was Carmina Burana. <laughs> he used to love to play Carmina Burana. And what's, what's that? Uh, what's it? What is that? That's a work. That's a um, orchestral work. I oh. forgot who. Yeah, it's a very famous. Um, ooh, I can't. I can't recollect the. Um, the composer right now, but it's a very famous orchestral quiet choral work, Carmina Burana. It's it's almost like that da 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 you know that thing that you hear in all these movies. Yeah. And um but anyway, uh he was just very nice, very kind, and uh had a lovely time with him. We were very good friends. And um and then I watched him slowly descend into his own thoughts um when when i was in new york and he was in new york and that's another whole story sure did uh did, how where did he play this music on did he did he play a musical instrument or something or uh no, stereo just on a stereo oh on stereo so you used to listen in, to in that the, together. in the apartment uh-huh yeah so, so you used to listen so to that together that's no, yeah. that's great. So, this, was this in New York that you uh, went that you went out with him, or in, in California? in in L.A., but in New York, it was more like we weren't we were more friends than going out. When in L.A., it was more romantic. But once you know, we sort of broke up, and then I moved to New York. He moved to New York. I don't know who, who moved there first, but then mm-hmm. we got together as friends. Did you ever meet his family? Never. 
And I always wanted to. I was always very curious. I knew we had a mother and father in, in the South. Sure. You know? sure. And, um, that's all I knew. He didn't talk much about them. Um, uh-huh. Uh-huh. I had the impression that he was a little bit of a rebel when it came to them because they were very uh, conservative and he was not. <laughs> and um Yeah. Did you know him but, when he was on Dark Shadows? Yeah, yeah. For a period of time. He loved it. He loved that show. He loved being on the show. And I remember when he went off the show, he was very upset. Mm-hmm. He was very upset that he lost Dark Shadows. But he loved being on it. It was sort of like um, heaven to him, you know. Did he, did he ever take you to visit the studio by any chance? No, I was always working in at NBC myself. I was always busy working in another uh-huh. studio. You know? Sure. Did you ever do soap operas yourself? Uh, yes, years ago. I mean, when I was in New York, I was trying to get acting roles. I did a little bit part things, but nothing significant. I understand. I understand. So I was a, one of those dancers that wants to be an actress and kind of move up the cast system. Didn't work. <laughs> well, you win 95%. Not for me. Yeah. It worked for a lot of friends of mine. It didn't work for me. So uh, I moved on to writing. Good for you. Good for you. Probably did a, yeah. probably did a lot more there. Um, mm-hmm. Were you, uh, did you know Don? Uh, I mean, did you keep in touch with Don in the later years when he was living in the South? Yeah. And No. Once I, I talked to him on the phone. Very briefly, um, he, we had another mutual friend, uh, another actress, say Barbara Anderson, and she, I think, kept well, I, in touch with him. I from remember his, that name. Sure. Yeah, she was. Uh, she worked on um, Perry, um, Perry Mason. She was regular on that, and I know Roger worked with her a lot. But um, Barbara, I think Barbara talked to him in, from his parents' house one time. And then she told me about it. But, you know, through the years, she and I have sort of kind of kept up on how's Dawn, you know, how's he doing, how's he mm-hmm. doing, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Roger, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get, now I'm getting back to you. Can you hear me? Oh, you can, uh, I can't, I don't hear you. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh, can you hear me? Can you hear me now? The phone. Now I can't hear your voice. I can't hear your voice. So I'm going to call. So I am going to. So now we're going to get back to Roger. Uh, and Roger is going to tell us, uh, about how he met Don and, uh, the circumstances behind that. Cause that goes, uh, that goes back a long way, doesn't it, Roger? Yes, yes, it goes back. It goes back to, um, now, I, you need to understand something. Uh, I think that Don and I met the very first day that I came to Columbia. It was called Freshman Day. And, um, before I say any of this, I just want to tell you that 
that I was fascinated hearing Sean talk about Don because it solidified in my mind something I thought about Don. Don was the incarnate ladies' man. I think that he was just one of those guys who found it really easy to be in the company of beautiful ladies. Well, he would just know himself. He would just know how to be himself. Very genuine and very sweet. And um, people liked him and he knew it. So... But it did. It never felt like manipulation. He was never a manipulator. No, he he was not. He didn't have. He had no gall. He had no sense of of of. Uh, he, 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 oh, geez, what am I trying to say? He Arrogance. Was not remotely Machiavellian. He was not self-centered in a terror in a you know obvious actor way he just wasn't he was uh i thought always that don was rather scholarly and that he was also the incarnate gentleman he was yes. so kind and uh, considerate. He never yeah. interrupted people. All the all the things that I do. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here. <laughs> yeah, there's some. But I forgot to mention. You mentioned the scholarly Roger and Don would quote poems. He'd quote Emily Dickinson. He'd quote Shakespeare. And it would just come out of nowhere. Do you remember that? Yes. It was amazing. I was always very impressed. (laughs) I I understand that. I have to tell you that that comes a little with the territory of going to Columbia to college. Yes. Because uh, at the drop of a hat, I can tend to wax uh, uh, rather poetic myself. Don't do it now. And I understand that. Don't do it now. Don't do it now. Do it now? No, don't do it now. We're talking about Don. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm going to tell you, though, that uh, Don was always uh, a guy who, one, took acting seriously. Really seriously. He was the kind of actor who did his homework, never ever had to look at the teleprompter, uh, knew everybody else's lines as well as his. He was, um, he had discovered what the scene was about and he would play that it, he would play it out naturally. He never anticipated, nor did he show you what he was doing. He he just did it. 
I thought he I thought he had a remarkable quality from the very first time that I saw him do a big role, which was playing a three and a half hour lead in Edward Second at Columbia. Wow. And he wow. was he was so serious. I played a knight named Arundel who had two scenes. And in one of those scenes, I brought in the head of Mortimer. And of course, I dropped Mortimer, and he was, Mortimer's head was a big head of lettuce. <laughs> and I couldn't resist laughing hysterically. And uh, it really put Don off. Sure. We had to start over. And he was very patient, but he obviously didn't like it. So the next time, I kept the cabbage covered. I was right there with the lines, and I respected the fact that Don was indeed a focused actor who was, he wasn't out there on a smile and a shoe shine. Don was, um, uh, he really cared about the work and it wouldn't matter whether he was playing Edward II or the werewolf on Dark Shadows. He was the same guy. He played that part to the hilt. Yep. And he knew when to stop short he was not a phony person and not a phony actor. You know, so yeah. how, how we met was, remember, I was from the South and there weren't that many people at Columbia who were from the South. If you were from the South, you'd get around to the kids who were what were called geographical distribution kids. Now, the difference in Don and me was that Don had a full scholarship to Columbia. I know that when Don got to Columbia, he had already read the Lake Poets and the Greeks. He had read from Beowulf to Santiana. He had a real background so that the difference between Don and me was that I was always playing catch-up scholastically because I think the heaviest thing I ever read in high school was probably the Scarlet Letter. <laughs> That'll give you a sense of... Don was coming off reading uh, the Lake Poets and the Greeks and... Um, I probably read the, the book I just alluded to, and and maybe, mm, boy, uh, Huck Finn. Uh, I'm really trying to think on the books that that I loved when I was in high school, but I wasn't. Um, Look, when I got to Columbia and I looked up around the freeze on the library 
it said Demosthenes and Euripides and Aristophanes. And I remember I was walking one day with Don, and I said, Don, you know, there must have been a lot of Greeks go here. (laughs) (laughs) And and Don Don just looked at me like I was absolutely crazy. (laughs) And he, he, he said, you've never read any of these people? And I said, no. Oh, I haven't read any of these people. They're writers? You're kidding. <laughs> and then, of course, I I started studying, and I got to understand who they were. But Don already knew who they were. That was the value of having an education from the Phillips Exeter Academy yep. rather than Castle Heights Military Academy. 30 miles northeast of Nashville, Tennessee. Well, that's for sure. I want to tell you something, by the way, Roger, that I happened to catch when I was uh, looking at the the old Dark Shadows uh, tapes. And it had to do with a scene where you played a character by the name of Ned Stewart, which wasn't, of course, the best character you ever liked. And I understand that. And he was uh, Chris Jennings, the werewolf. And the the two the two characters did not get along with each other because um, the uh, sister of the Ned Stewart character was uh, a gal by the name of Sabrina uh, was the uh, was Chris Jennings ex-girlfriend uh, who saw him turn into a werewolf and uh, and and. And and, she, and her hair turned white overnight, and she wound up in a wheelchair. So the brother, Ned Stewart, really had it in for the Chris Jennings character. So there was a confrontation scene between your character and his character in the, uh, in the Collinwood drawing room. And the camera stayed just a little too late as the scene ended. And it didn't intend to catch this, but, you know, the two of you were... The two of you were almost uh, coming to blows with each other. You, you know, you, he had his hand around your shirt and you had your hand around his shirt. And then the scene ended and the camera caught the two of you then going out of character for just a couple of seconds. And you started talking to each other. And I thought that was marvelous because it was it was kind of like it was almost kind of like I was looking at an acting school portrayal. And the two of you were talking to each other like, now, how did we handle this scene? And and that kind of thing. And I could almost read the lips of, of him coming off. And that's what happens sometimes when, of course, Dark Shadows didn't have the money to take out these outtakes. But it, it, it showed me at that particular point the actual, a little, a little few second glimpse into the actual respect that the both of you had for each other as actors. Now, you probably don't remember this, but I... uh, Well, I I can tell you what I probably was saying to Don. I had a tendency, when I grabbed somebody, to really grab them. Ah. And uh, sometimes I would uh, go a little overboard. And I probably was saying... I hope I didn't go too overboard, Don. And Don was probably saying, 
Nah, it's okay. <laughs> yeah. But it was still respect, and that's what I saw. In, in yeah, the no. It was very professional. It was very professional. Now, I, I have... Remember, I played lots of characters on Dark Shadows. Right. I didn't play just one or two. I oh, played six or seven, at least seven. Yeah, yeah. And, um, I would lose track of of. Uh, I couldn't remember. <laughs> I know that. I could stay focused on the character that I was playing, right. but uh, it was. I had a lot of those those scenes where Don. I don't think Don had these kinds of scenes. You can tell me. I, I don't remember, but I had a lot of scenes where I was, in fact, Jeff Clark, but I was really Peter Bradford. Right, and I had so many people telling me. You're not Jeff Clark, you're Peter Bradford. <laughs> and I'm going, who's Peter Bradford? He didn't have that, no. He, he played one character, yeah. except except when he was Tom Jennings, the vampire, and Chris Jennings, the werewolf, there was a little bit of a sedgway, the twin brothers, and there was a little bit of a sedgway where one was killed off and the other one came on, so to speak. And so there was actually one episode where he played both characters. Uh, Don played both the vampire and the werewolf together, but that was only once. Nothing like what you did on a long, a much longer term basis. Uh, but he did, but what he did in terms of the characters he played, it was, I mean, I'm just speaking from the, from the standpoint of a fan, uh, who remembers and, and of course has delved into the show for the trivial aspect, uh, for the podcast, but, he was he was flawless. I I haven't I haven't seen I haven't heard a blooper yet from the guy, and I've already I'm already into the 1897 segment where he portrays a teacher by the name of Tim Shaw, and you portrayed Dirk Wilkins, and and of course Dirk Wilkins is one of your more favorite characters. Uh, but my point is I haven't seen one blooper yet. With uh, with with Don, he was flawless. Yeah, uh, Don uh, had uh, he he just he was an he he, he had a, a sense of purpose. He was very serious. I uh, one of the things that that allowed me to have. Um, fun with things was that I was not quite as serious as Don. Right. But I'm not sure that that I can't say that was a particularly good trade. <laughs> um, Sean, I want to get uh, Sean, I want to get back to you. Um, what were the uh, you've talked about the more endearing qualities 
that Don had. But, of course, everybody has their positives and negatives, and people turn negatives into positives and so forth. In your uh, thinking back as to when you knew him, uh, did you think there was anything about him that not so much turned you off, but, you know, did you feel that maybe he was a little too serious sometimes about his work? Uh, like Roger, Roger points out that, you know, Roger took more of a jocular attitude or a jovial attitude, uh, towards it. Uh, was he an introspective person? Uh, or, you know, or was he, was he, uh, I, I understand he was, a, he was a little bit of an introvert, but, uh, perhaps you can correct me on that because you're the one that knew him. What are your, what are your thoughts on that? Well, um, he was very, he was very serious about his acting and, um, it hurt him a lot if he wouldn't get a part or if he'd lose a part. Um, and he was introspective. But acting was everything to him, as far as I know. I mean, it was nothing else, really, at that point, um, except you know, reading and music. He was very into reading and music. But um, acting, it was a passion, and it was, Roger said it, a sense of purpose. And he had it no matter how big, no matter how small the part. And um, he would, he felt things very deeply. He was a Pisces so he felt things very deeply, and um, he he didn't take rejection very well. Mm-hmm. He felt kind of righteous about it, you know. And you know, I wish I knew then what I know now about righteousness and and and, uh, and failure and all that, um, because he, it really got to him, and. Um, Trying to think what else you were saying that struck a chord. Well, um, you mentioned Pisces. Now, Pisces tend to be dreamers if you want to look into the astrological aspect uh, of that. Uh, did he have this dreamlike quality about him uh, where, or was he more grounded uh, or was he able to balance both? I think he balanced both and still in, in, until he started losing his mentality because you know um he started fantasizing uh about things people places things that weren't true so he had a a big interior love about you know like that so he imagined things that weren't there and i'm sure you know that and uh that was very sad very tragic about him but um yeah yeah no go ahead we're actually going to go into that a little now. Roger, you were in, you were very, very close to him at a time in his life when he really did need uh, somebody. And you were probably, from what I understand, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you were probably one of the best or best friends, if not one of the better friends he had when he was going through the trials and tribulations. Can you talk about that a little uh, to, to, to the best of your recollection? Look, I I grew up in uh, in Bowling Green, Kentucky, and Lebanon, Tennessee, with um, um, my other side of my life in Louisville, Kentucky, was uh, 
was, uh, you know, we, we did, dad got very successful and, and we had a great life in Louisville and we had a farm in Bowling Green. And then I could afford to go away to a school and, and, but I, I traveled all around the South to Memphis, to Chattanooga, to Swanee, Tennessee. I, I was, um, uh, I knew what, what Don's parents were like. I met them. I took Don once to the New York Athletic Club and we played basketball with his mother and dad on the basketball court up on the 10th floor. And, uh, he, he, they, he really got a kick out of it because I took the time to spend with his parents doing something that was totally different. You know, Don just, Don was pretty much of a natural athlete. He could play basketball. Man, I was lucky if I, I don't know, I, I, I could barely dribble. You were like me. I used to pretend that I, that I was an athlete. People would ask me, they'd say, what do you do when you're not acting? And I go, oh, uh, I, gee, I, I, I like, uh, tennis and, and I, uh, um, I, 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 I enjoy, I enjoy polo. <laughs> oh God. Uh, but the truth of the matter was that, um, I had a much more looser kind of uh, country, simple, um, easygoing, yet at the same time, I grew up watching English movies. I loved thick wool suits and I loved Alec Guinness and Terry Thomas, mm-hmm. and uh, Alistair Sim, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. I had a fantasy life that that uh, allowed me to uh, pretend a lot. I never saw that in Don. Don was very pragmatic. Don was... Um, I... I... I I don't know. Listen, you, looking back, I wish that I had taken the time to, to say, Don, we can, see, I didn't take drugs. I didn't care anything about them. Uh, I didn't like pot. I didn't, I didn't like any of that stuff, but I respected and left people alone who did because Generationally, at that particular time, everybody did it. But I, and I, I didn't. I didn't bother to try to stop them because it it was not uh, the thing to do. The thing to do is let people do their own thing. I remember. So yeah. um, <laughs> it wasn't until I was doing the Dark Shadows movie and I got a uh, a call. Uh, well, no, Dan Curtis came to me on the set, took me aside, and he said, you've got to go back to the studio. Your friend has locked himself in the dressing room, and I don't know what's really wrong, but 
he's got some scenes to do and we got to get him out of the dressing room. That's for sure. So I took the limo. It took about an hour to get back. I went upstairs to the, you know, he was locked in the dressing room. And I said, Don, it's Roger. And I've got to talk to you. He goes, aren't you in the movie? Why aren't you out there uh, in Terrytown? And I said, because I got to, Dan wanted me to come back here and see what the hell's going on. Now open up the door so we can talk about, well, he opened up the door and, um, he, he actually was pretty normal with me. He just said, they're talking about me. I go, who's talking about you? He said, the stagehands. And, and it's reaching a point where I, I don't want to be down there. I don't want to be privy to it. And I go, what are they saying, Don? And he said, I think they think that uh, I'm, I'm not straight. Well, Don, you know that that's totally untrue. That I mean, what do these guys know? I don't. I don't know. Why would that even bother you? Let's let's go down there and and see if that you know we, you got to you got to do these scenes. So we'll we'll go downstairs. So we we uh, we went down and uh, he he did the scenes. You know, and I said, I said, well, that's great. God, and don't pay any attention to anybody. And, um, but now look, I had to go back up to the set. Okay. So I didn't go home with Don. I didn't walk him home or, or talk to him afterwards. I, I had done what I was supposed to do, which was get him to do the scenes. And I wasn't uh, trying to con him or anything like that. I just said, who cares what any of these people think here? I mean, look at me, Don. I function here. I don't think about anybody and what they think about me. Uh, And they probably think a lot worse of me than they do of you. Uh... Because I give them probably give them reason. Because I kid around a lot. And I did. And I had a relationship with Dan Curtis, which could make a lot of actors uh, not particularly like me because uh, I was kind of, uh, you know, he sort of got a kick out of me and I could get away with stuff. But um, I never thought that Don... Um, I, he, he, he didn't laugh and have fun and, and throw things away. He took them inside. He internalized them. And he thought about them. And he would let something go on up in his head, marinate up in his head and, and uh, do bad things to him. And it wasn't... Uh, Look, Don came out to the to the West Coast pretty much what I did right after. Right, but he did. No, no, no. He didn't come out for two years because I know that he got a master's degree at Columbia. 
when I went out to go to UCLA. And I think Don was astounded that I got a, a series at Warner Brothers. Absolutely astounded. And he thought, if Roger got one, I can get one. So as soon as he finished graduate school, he came out to California. But I have to tell you, if he had asked me, I would have said stay in New York. Because he had a really good agent. And he, because uh, I was going to go back to New York about four years later. I went back to New York to try to become more uh, and more taken more seriously. But Don was taken seriously. Don was had a good reputation in New York, but couldn't wait to get to the West Coast. I don't know what he did. He, uh, Sean was telling me he did a, a Dream of Genie. That's a very lightweight show. Okay. Um, gosh, I, the, the, I think when he was doing an I Dream of Genie, I was doing a Twilight Zone. And, and I had the lead on the thing. And, uh, I, I, I got a lot of opportunities that, um, I got because of being a good type. A good type, okay. The the you know the blonde haired, blue eyed. Um, Sean, I cut in? Sean, I'm sorry, Roger. Sean, you wanted to say something. I want to cut in because you know it, it was very clear that their paths, uh, their career paths, were divergent. You know. Roger was going up, 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 getting all this great work and these series and everything. And Don didn't. You know, he had dark shadows, and that was pretty much it. But you know what? And I had never said this to you, Roger, but I never, ever saw Don jealous of you. I never saw him resent anything, all of your success. And, you know, a lesser person really could have and would have, but he never did. He just... And uh, that that says a lot about your friendship. And in my turn, I promise you, I wanted Don to have success. I really wanted him to have a career. And and, uh, Mm -hmm. it it really, it bothered me because I I think that he was, in fact, his own worst enemy. Mm, My little brother wanted to be an actor. I, I put him... I got him a part in a movie with me, and it was a damn cute part. And he came out to California, and he had a great look. And um, he went out on interviews. And one day he came to me and he said, you know, Roger, I can't take the rejection. I don't know how you do it. Boy, people can say no yeah. to you, and you take it like yes. I, I never I never thought anything about all the the part of the business that you got used to quickly was saying no, you didn't get it, uh, and and things would go the wrong way or whatever. But but I never uh, I never really um, I didn't take rejection to heart, and I think that that was key to Don having a very difficult time because. Yes. If rejection bothers you, 
today. It hurt him, right? It's 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 so hard to do this. You've got to be very thick skinned. That's right. And uh, and I noticed that, and I especially noticed that the bigger star that you've got to be, um, and and there was something um, about Don that was not able to accept that completely. He, he just, no. he internalized his uh, rejections and he, but he was not, as Sean says, he was not a jealous type guy. We were always friends. And even in, in the end, when he went back to Memphis, um, he, I was I was building a hotel in Louisville, Kentucky, and I got a call from Don, and he wanted to come up and work at the hotel. He said, "There's got to be something I could do," and uh, I thought, you know, maybe not a bad idea. And his dad got on the phone. I don't know how he got the phone away from Don, but uh, and Don didn't seem to say anything. And his dad said, uh, "You know, Don's not." He's not the Don you you knew, Roger. Uh, he's oh. things have changed a lot. And I said, uh, "Well, uh, you don't. I mean, you don't think he's capable of coming up here?" No, I really don't. And I don't think that it would be good for Don. And I think you have a lot of pressure opening the hotel. And I'm thinking that it would not be a good idea. Now, did I know? As, as much as I should have known, uh, my friend Dorsey Walter, who was a mutual friend of ours, and Don lived over in Dorsey, had a building at 60th, uh, right off the, the 59th Street Bridge. Um, and Sean, I, I think he was living over there at some point when you were seeing him, right? Yeah, yeah, I was there. <clears throat> yeah, now... now he started getting very paranoid. Yeah. And um, he wasn't one in the house, but when we were out in public and walking down the street, 2nd Avenue and all that, he just was becoming paranoid. And he'd create these things. And the same kind of story, oh, they're talking about me. He'd say about strangers, total strangers, so talk about me. Yeah. And um, it was very sad because... He was so brilliant. He'd talk about the Greeks and he'd, uh, philosophy and all that yeah. and turn right around and say they're talking about yeah. me. So it was like a strange mix, um, watching him kind of slide. And at one point he said, I- I've, I've got to leave this city. I can't handle it anymore. And I, I guess that's when he went back to his parents' house. Now, I don't know if they came and fetched him. Or if he went on his own, I don't. I lost track of no, that. I, I never think knew. They came up. I think they came to New York. Uh, I, I just think they, they, uh, they. Don had a real, uh, had some sort of an episode where he really kind of had a breakdown. And in, in and I think that, uh, uh, you know, at that particular point. I um uh, I was getting married. Um, uh, you know, uh, 
I walked into an elevator once and Don was talking to what was going to be my wife, Jacqueline Smith. He was trying to get a date with her. And he was doing a pretty darn good job. He, 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 had, uh, he had her laughing and, and I walked onto the elevator and uh, I remember Don got called in for the interview. So once we got off the elevator, I got an extra few minutes with her um, and that gave me a real advantage. And uh, I also had a car, so I gave her a lift uptown. And uh, what I recall is that Don, Don must have done well because he stayed in the interview. He didn't come back out. And I don't, I don't think we were up for the same thing. So uh, it was a big casting office. And uh, so she went in, I went in. And I never saw Don. He may have come out and left. I, I don't know. But I did give her the ride uptown. And uh, uh, Don never acted like I uh, pushed my way into that situation. Uh, he, but but uh, it, um, well. He sounds like a very unassuming guy. I, sir, very I, unassuming. I knew that uh, Don, uh, he, he had an eye for a good-looking girl. As we can see, Sean there is a, a good-looking girl. And she's, uh, the, when I saw her the first time here the uh, about a week ago, I thought to myself, wow, Don, uh, Don knew a good-looking girl when he saw one, that's for sure. Thank you. Roger, you old flatterer, you. No, it's true. Well, no, it's, it's, I'm going to add my I'm voice to that. telling it like it is. I'm going to add my voice to that, but I don't want to embarrass her. Uh, oh. But uh, no, no, the point, no, no, the point is that. Uh, but I did yeah. talk to, I, I, I should add this. I talked to Don's sister today and um, I asked her, what it was like when Don died. And um, she said that about two weeks before he died, he really had a breakdown. And uh, his his mother had died, his father had died, and they died fairly close together. And Don just one day looked at the house, looked at the furniture, uh, was there alone, and uh, he started taking the furniture out onto the lawn. And uh, uh, apparently he told the neighbors that, that he could come and take it, that he was going to sell the house. He was, you know, and and they did take it. <laughs> Most of the furniture of the house, Bonnie said, it got taken off the, off the lawn. Don took it out and gave it away. And um, you could see that he he really wanted to make a change, but in less than 10 days, he was going to be dead. Now, do I know whether Don got a diagnosis uh, that, that something was, or felt something was going to happen? You know, I, I'm, uh, I go to church a lot now, and... Um, 
I, I think that I spend more time uh, trying to internalize and understand faith. And I think that Don, um, Don went in and out of, uh, you know, certainly where Don was pretty much trapped. And, and, uh, he, he had lost the anchors in his life, his mother and his dad. Yeah. And what could be more tragic than sitting there alone, um, uh, and, and wanting, uh, just something different. And, uh, now, how much did he know as to how sick he was? I, I don't know. Bonnie, Bonnie mentioned that he had gained a, a good bit of weight and, uh, wasn't taking care of himself. But she also said that when he came back to Memphis in the beginning, he did several plays mm-hmm. and, and, uh, and he did some big plays and got some really good reviews by the, by the uh, papers there in Memphis because let's face it Don may have had problems but he also had talent he just he had something that was his own all he needed to do was leave himself alone it's hard to do that sometimes it's hard to leave yourself alone. And, uh, he, he wasn't, um, able to do that very well. I. Roger, it's, Roger, it's funny that you mentioned, uh, actually, apropos of your mentioning Ron. Apropos, I'm sorry about that, uh, guys. Apropos of your mentioning uh, Bonnie, uh, Don's surviving sister, uh, at the end of this podcast, Bonnie has actually taped a little tribute that she wrote that she wanted the Dark Shadows fans to hear regarding her, regarding a little bit of her personal reminiscences of Don and her thanks to the fans for being so interested in, in all these years uh, in his acting, in his portrayal, and their curiosity about Don Briscoe, the person, as well as the characters he played. And uh, I do want to thank Roger uh, for helping me set that up. Uh, with Bonnie. I, I do want to say one thing. When, sure. when, when I heard, uh, Bonnie read this, I thought Bonnie has, uh, you see in Bonnie a lot of Don. She's very, though, she's extremely well adjusted and has had to deal with the sadness of loving her brother so dearly and and seeing this this disintegration it's it's very hard it's very hard and that's like mm-hmm. uh, just just remember whatever don did he did well 
I remember once going down a swimming pool in, in, uh, at Columbia. He told me, he said, come on down. I'm, I'm gonna, I've, I've got a, um, a diving. There was a competition for diving. And, and lo and behold, I go down there and Don was a hell of a diver. Could have been a damned Olympic diver. What he did, he did well. And, uh, so I, I think it's a very touching tribute to see his sister. They were very close and I think she understood him very well. And I'm, I think the fans will get a great, great insight into Don and enjoy it very much. I agree with you 110%, and it was a pleasure for me to uh, to talk with her, uh, the little conversation I had with her. And, uh, and so if you just stay with us, guys, uh, right before the end of this broadcast, we are going to play uh, that tribute that she recorded. She's a very private person, uh, which was why she couldn't come on the podcast personally, but she did want to have the fans understand and know the, uh, the gratitude that she, that she, that she felt, uh, over, you know, that, that it, once again, that after all these years, he was still remembered. And she it, it needs to be mentioned. She's also she's also a very religious person, as were his parents. Okay, absolutely. And so you see that that now we're also in addition to that. Uh, if my boss in London is able to is able to play it uh, after that uh, little tape was done, she was at her uh, granddaughter's house while this was being taped and her granddaughter also uh knew don as she was growing up and uh, the granddaughter had a couple of uh, had a couple of reminiscences uh to offer about don and that was right after uh bonnie finished uh her tribute so hopefully we'll be able to play that's not that long but we'll be able to play those for you also at the end of the at the end of the podcast. Oh, I thought it was I thought it was wonderful. It was like eavesdropping on two people who knew Don really well. That was really the the word is serendipitous, as they say in the academic circles, and in Brooklyn English, that's accidental. But it was it was great that after she did the speech, the I agree with you, Raj. The uh, the granddaughter graciously volunteered a few of her thoughts uh, about a couple of things uh, to add to the perceptions and to add to the information uh, that we give you tonight regarding uh, regarding Don. Uh, so before we. Before we end this marvelous tribute to him, uh, may he rest in peace and may his memory be a blessing. And uh, I hope he's listening from somewhere upstairs uh, tonight uh, for uh, to all of to to both of you uh, regarding the memories that you have of him. Uh, Sean, do you want to say anything before we close? Uh, I do. I think one of the tragedies of the Don Briscoe tragedy is that in modern day, the mental problems that he had could have, could be addressed. Whereas in when it was happening to him, 
in the 70s and 80s and, and then later on, um, there wasn't the help available. There wasn't the understanding available. Because, uh, yes, as, as um, Roger mentioned, he did do drugs and he did LSD. But he what, when he would be doing these drugs, he was solving the problems of the whole universe. You know, it was something that, that meant something to him, you know. And the tragedy is his brain couldn't handle it. But in modern times, there would have been help. And I think that's part of the sadness here, that, that he didn't really get the help that he needed to get himself on the straight and narrow. But what a wonderful person and what a great mind. He had a great mind for logic and figuring things out. And uh, he'd be the first to explain crazy, you know, things. Uh, he got a parking ticket, uh, sorry, a moving violation once in his car, his little MG car. And he spent about 10 minutes explaining to me why he got the ticket and why it wasn't really, why it wasn't really fair. And his logic was, you can turn left if the cars aren't coming at you. But that's not true. You don't have the right of way. If there are cars, there are cars. And he would explain that. And he said, well, that's what I told the policeman. I said, they weren't that close. And I thought I could just turn left here. <laughs> that kind of thing. I'll never forget him going on about that. But in logic, he was right. And um, that's an interesting thing about his mind. He had such a logical, brilliant mind. But he could logic himself over to the other side, too. (laughs) Roger, do you have anything, uh, do you have any final thoughts? Well, I want to say that Don was an innocent. He was an innocent in a a world that doesn't particularly, um, you know, the world is its a tough place. Especially now. You've got to seal yourself up. You've got to keep moving. Uh, you've got to... Uh, I've had so many things happen to me that I... I'm... I'm... Look, you can't get this age and not be embarrassed by things you've done. Tragically um, upset... And, and can't believe that you acted like that. Um, I, I, I'm sorry for, you know, you, you'd kind of, you'd like to be able to say that you apologize to all the people who you've, uh, in some way or other have, have offended, uh, because not everybody can be like Don. Because I don't think Don offended many people. I don't think he was, he wasn't like that. And, um, there are, um, I used to, I got to know, uh, just, just a little bit now, okay? Steve McQueen, who had a way of offending everybody. He was an equal opportunity offender. Mm -hmm. And, and I think when McQueen died, Hollywood didn't care because he he had uh, he had, he had really offended a lot of people because yeah. he was very self involved and and he didn't care and and it made him 
also it made him what he was. It, it, I, I, I can't say that I've been able to do that. Okay, um, maybe it's growing up in the South. You you can't. Um, I, my mother used to say, "You can take the boy out of Bowling Green, but you can't take the Bowling Green out of the boy." And <laughs> I, I uh, I'll always have a little uh, of that in me. And I think when you're from when you're from Memphis and you're from Chattanooga and you're from Bowling Green or 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 uh, Lebanon, Tennessee or Louisville, Kentucky, you you have some baggage that will always stay with you. I, I I remember once writing a play for a very fine playwright in New York who wrote with George S. Calvin, wrote the, the solid gold Cadillac that was um, a pretty, it, it, it had a long run on Broadway. And I wrote this play and he read it and he said, who are all these people? And I said, they're my family. He goes, you're kidding. <laughs> because my family, unlike Don, Don's family were very normal. My parents, my family, they were out there, boy. <laughs> they, they were, uh, you know, uh, my, they, they reminded me of, uh, really, uh, they, they were very Faulkner-esque. My mother read two to four books a day. Oh my, my father, really, he could read the sports page. He said, um, I can get more business drunk than most guys get sober. <laughs> and my dad stayed drunk for 35 years, a fifth a day for 35 years. And, uh, but he was a character. He was very charming and and uh, he he made a he made for a great character in a story. Uh, Don's parents were kind, provincial people who were normal. And uh, I guess one of the things that might have helped me as an actor was that I grew up around people who were, uh, without knowing it, extremely theatrical. You know, easy for me to to find theatrics. Whereas Don created his own theatrics. He, di he didn't grow up in a theatrical family. Uh, he, he grew up in a very conventional and provincial uh, uh, Christian family. Uh, whereas uh, I, I didn't at all. My mother's favorite writers were Dostoevsky, Tolstoy, Faulkner. Oh my God. <laughs> you, you couldn't have had a group of people who, 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 uh, who in, enjoyed, she, who loved these, uh, these, uh, wildly, um, well, I don't have to tell you, but the Russian novels are so wild. And, and mother just loved that. But at her roots, she grew up on a farm in Bowling Green, Kentucky. But, um, I, I know that, um, 
respected each other because we knew that we came from the same place. It was, I understood exactly where and how he grew up. Um, and what, what I, what I'm sorry, what I, I will always be sorry that when you have a life that hasn't reached all its potential, that hasn't gone as far as it could go. And, and I'm not saying that I went as far, you know, I, um, I'm, Don never got to marry, never got to, never got to have children. Man, I, I, I think of my family and the, how, yeah. how marvelous, boy, uh, I, I love being married. <laughs> Certainly married enough times. And I had a great time every time. <laughs> He had a star-crossed uh, life, Braj. He had a star-crossed life. But he yeah, had a talent. But not everything's perfect. Not everything's perfect. Uh, you know, I wasn't... Do uh, you think that when I saw Midnight Cowboy that I didn't want to play uh, that wonderful part that uh, uh, um, John Voight got to do? Sure. Uh, but I still... Envied while I envied the the being able. I, I don't know if envy is the right word because I just I just marvel at what a good actor John Lloyd was and how he was able to carry that off. I I, I love watching uh, and I loved watching Don. I saw a scene. I told Sean about this scene. And uh, you sent it to me, I think. And um, John is, I think Don's trying to beg his life from Barnabas. Yeah. Keep yeah. Barnabas from killing him. As Tom Jennings and uh, the second time. It's for the a fans. great scene. Yep. For anybody who watches Dark Shadows and wants to watch a, a wonderful moment, um, watch this scene. As Tom Jennings and the sun's coming up and he's begging Barnabas to uh, spare his life while Barnabas takes two cro- two candlesticks and turns him into a cross to keep him there. And, uh, and, and Briss and Don as Tom Jennings is, is literally pleading with him, uh, spare me, spare me. I'll do anything for you. I'll do anything for you. And, uh, you know, it's a, it, you know, it's, it's tragic because, the, the later part of his life did reflect a, a quiet, unspoken plea. And I'm sure if he met somebody that could have saved him and helped him the way Sean is talking about and could have done anything for him, then things might have turned out quite differently. And he passed away quite ironically on Halloween of 2004. And that really, really got oh. to me. Yeah, that really, really got to me, October 31st. And uh, But once again, we are celebrating the life that he lived, 
and we are celebrating the good things that he has done. And we are celebrating the things that over 30 some odd years later, well, 2004, so almost 20 years later after his death, we're able to talk about him and reminisce and celebrate his memory. I want to thank both of you once again on behalf of Literary License Podcast. Roger, as usual, you've done, you do so much for us and, and, and it is very much appreciated. And Sean, at the last minute, you came on and you gave us your memories and you graciously consented. I really appreciate it, Sean. Thank you, Sean. Thank oh, you. pleasure. Pleasure. Believe me. The pleasure. Thank, my, thank you. Pleasure is ours. This is Tom Diamond now signing off for Literary License Podcast. And uh, you. we hope that the fans will, uh, especially the Don Briscoe fans, but Dark Shadows fans, will remember Don's memory. And once again, may his memory be. And, I, and I hope you play. I, I, I hope you play. I guess you're. You're planning on playing the piece with Bonnie. We wouldn't, we wouldn't forget it. And Roger would never forgive me if I didn't. This is coming on right after we, right after we sign off. So people stay on after we sign off because then we're going to be playing, uh, Bonnie's piece and hopefully as well as the uh, local newspaper, uh, winning the scholarship here at this prep school in New Hampshire. Don't know about that. I didn't know that about Shakespeare and that, that just being able to perform it. Yeah, that was awesome. I mean, I mean, all his life. Yeah. Friends would gather around and he would just burst into a soliloquy. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And you used to feed lines to him? Yeah, he'd come home for spring break and he was going to do summer stock and everything. We'd go over a script form wow. together. I'd, I'd feed another person's lines that he was going to say something next, you know. That's okay. awesome. So y'all did it together. Mm-hmm. I was just a kid. I was six years younger than him. He left home when I was ten. Wow. To go for the scholarship. He was 16. Wow. He already skipped the second grade because he was so smart. And, uh, so he was just barely 16 when he went to prep school, 16 to 18, two years of prep school, and then to Columbia. So the, the prep school was his high school finishing. Didn't, didn't actually graduate from high school, graduated from the prep school. I think it can truly be said that Don was born to perform. From an early age, he sought and usually captured the attention of almost everyone with whom he came in contact. Once he began acting in high school plays and received rave reviews for his performances, he set his mind to become a professional actor. An afternoon paper route with the press senator, a local Memphis newspaper led to winning a scholarship to Phillips Exeter Academy, a renowned prep school in New Hampshire, from the Scripps Howard Foundation. 
Don was intelligent and an avid reader. Perhaps that served to help him memorize all the lines an actor has to perform. He went on to win another scholarship at Columbia University, New York, all the while honing his acting skills with the Columbia Players and Summerstock. He especially loved performing Shakespeare and was known throughout his life to burst into a soliloquy at a moment's notice and without apology. I have fond memories of feeding lines to him when he was home for a break or the holidays. His fame from Dark Shadows was something of a conundrum for him. It is, It was just supposed to be a step along the path of becoming the next Lawrence Olivier. Yet he appreciated his fans and would always stop and sign autographs at the studio door. In later years, when fan letters found their way to his home, he would send autograph photos back to them. Some fans even dropped by on occasion, and he was always gracious to receive them and talk with them. Don probably could have been anything he wanted to be. He chose to be an actor and had several years of success in that field. He did an off-Broadway play, a few TV roles, including Dark Shadows, a few TV commercials, and even a stint on the road show of Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. At one point, he was considered for doing his role in the movie version, but George Siegel won out. Don seemed bent on experiencing, experiencing to the max every activity that interested him. When that included drugs, it became his downfall. My personal belief is that the use of LSD damaged him permanently. It's sad that his burgeoning career came to a halt, but it's also a testament that even the best of people can make bad decisions. He was well enough at times to do a few local plays while living back home in Memphis, and that was fun for him, especially a performance in King Lear, which garnered a great review in the local paper for which he had once worked. I would like to assure his fans that he was loved and well cared for by his family. He enjoyed fame for a moment, but more importantly, he found the ultimate love and peace that he had sought all his life when he stepped into heaven. Because I knew that was the only way to get the true emotion. I never knew some of that stuff about him. I didn't want it to be rehearsed. 
it's, it's, it's things people don't know. It's, it's, it's a real person who, who wanted something out of life but never found it until he found God. And when, when I, before I wrote this, I prayed for God to be glorified in whatever I wrote. And then I heard back from Tom, and he was, he was touched. I heard from Roger, and he was touched. This is, this is a God thing. This is I from God. Yeah, it's awesome. So, that was beautiful. Thank you again, and good night from Literary License Podcast. Pains were
Would say.